1: In the Garden with Peter Burke, here on WDEV. Our program today brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store on Brooklyn Street in Morrisville, by V's Flowers and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield, by Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport, by Clawson's Florist, Greenhouse, and Perennial Farm, locally grown just for you on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com. By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need, Route 15 in Wolkin. And by the Willie's Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Telephones are open for your comments and questions for Peter Burke, 802-244-1777. That's 244-1777. And right now, here's the host of In the Garden, Peter Berg. Hey, Joel. How are you? So I have a question. Uh oh. Uh,
2: what do you call a bee that can't decide which flower to go to?
1: Uh, let's see, befuddled. No. Maybe. Oh, no, maybe.
2: Okay, <laughs> there we go. So, what do you call a cow that works for a gardener?
1: Um,
2: a lawn mower. Oh, my word. <laughs> okay, one last one. What kind of socks does my wife wear when she's gardening?
1: Um, I, I don't dare venture, I guess. Uh,
2: Garden hose. Gar- you know,
1: <laughs> if the brain were awake, it usually takes about three hours of being here for the brain to wake up. But, uh, for a, well, I, that's it, I might it, have though. gotten that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, the last one, I got another one. Why did the tomato blush?
1: Uh, it was... Uh, amazing.
2: Because you saw the salad dressing.
1: Oh, my word. On that happy note, we now move to our next regularly scheduled program. Uh,
2: Well, something on the lighter side, for heaven's sakes. Very good. good. (laughs) So uh, one of the things I I mentioned uh, last week that I sort of wanted to elaborate a little bit on was uh, hilling your potatoes. Uh, I I have uh, about 10 4x4 beds of tomatoes. Mm. Potatoes, I'm sorry. Mm potatoes that are up. Now it's different when you're growing potatoes in a garden bed because you're going to only plant them a, a one foot apart and there's no big wide row in between uh, you know, pathway in between the rows of potatoes, ordinarily what you do is you hoe the dirt from in the pathway uh, up around the potato stems. And that's how you heal them, in a sense. You know, you pull that dirt right up on top of the stems. So in a, a garden bed, you don't really have that wide path to dig them up. So to start with, of course, I'll I'll plant my potatoes a good six, even eight inches deep to start with, and sort of leave a uh, leave a hole. And as those as those uh, the potatoes grow up out of that hole, I'll just sort of snug the dirt up around the stems until it's you know level all the way across the bed. But even then. You still need to add some soil. So what I do is I'll take a a mixture of uh, the potting soil, germination mix, and compost. Mix that together, make sure it's good and wetted down, and then just start to sort of uh, hump it up around the uh, you know do little mounds around the potato plants. So that eventually the whole four by four bed is up you know four or five inches, and uh, and that's how you hill them in a in a potato, a bed of potatoes versus a row of potatoes. And that's, you know, that's definitely different than, um, uh, than you do with uh, potatoes grown in a row. And there are, there are variations on that theme. Uh, somebody mentioned last week uh, how he used a straw down. And uh, there's certainly uh, a good case for just using plain old straw, but I liked his idea of putting a little bit of straw down and then putting the dirt on top of the Mm. straw. And uh, I'm going to try that that technique um uh this year um and it probably worked just fine work out real well
1: just make sure it's straw not first cut hay amen and i had
2: that note right here i'm glad you emphasized that though (laughs) i had i had in big letters not hay (laughs) because there's so much weed seed in, in hay that you'd just be planting weeds in your garden so that's not a good thing and so, if you if you have your potatoes up, and it's you know it's uh you, you know you want to go ahead and start to hill them up. Uh, my early potatoes are up a good oh uh, maybe 14 inches or so, and they'll uh, you know they they're they've got the first round where I just sort of snug them up, and then today uh, uh, and tomorrow I'll be hilling them all with another four or five inches of of uh, that mix of compost and uh, germination mix wetted down and that'll uh that'll do and then about two or three weeks later I'll do something very similar so that the uh so that the bed that four foot garden bed will look like a big mound of you know of dirt with the the potatoes coming out of it and um, so that's, uh, that's uh, one of the little garden chores for, for this week. Uh, I assume that your potatoes are up and, um, and just about ready to hill. So at this point, it's time to start watching for the, uh, the cabbage moth. There should be those little white moths are flitting around, and they're so cute. Uh, but it's time to make sure you've got some uh, thergeside, some Bt in your... Um, you know, in your shed so you can mix that together and start to spray all of your uh, coal plants. So that's your broccoli, your Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbages, uh, even your kale. Um, If you have kohlrabi or you're playing, you know, planting kohlrabi, you want to spray those as well. And um, if you want to, you can use the spinosad in the same way as you use the Bt. And uh, uh, this, this, uh, the spraying that I'll do uh, this week will probably be with the Spinosad because I need to spray my asparagus for the asparagus beetle. They're they're back again, and uh, I expect them to be full well this year and next year before I finally get rid of them. Um, and then I'll spray the, uh, uh, the cabbages as well so that I get a start on them. And one of the things you want to do as you go around the garden over the next uh, week here is, uh, uh, is actually turn the leaves of your vegetables over, okay? You want to take a look to see if you can see any egg pods for the different uh, little beasties that are going to eat everything, um, the other day I was pulling some weeds. Uh, it's, a, it's a little viney thing that, that uh, doesn't do much, but if you leave it go, it'll climb up everything and all over everything. Uh, but it was absolutely covered with aphids. We'd turn the leaf over, and, and uh, there was a, just a pile of aphids on those. And uh, I suppose it was a good thing that it was on, on those things I called weeds, um, uh, but anyway, I did uh, sort of smoosh them with my thumb and, and go through and do all of those to uh, to try to avoid them. But anyway, you'll see in some of them that there are these little tiny sort of an orange color egg sacs. Uh, you know, they're probably, oh, jeez, you know, they're, I don't know how, how to say it. it almost look like uh, grains of pepper on the, but they're orange and bright and... Uh-huh. Uh,
1: yeah, I have to check my um, morning glories. That's my, my, my one little flower venture every year. Mm-hmm. And already the tiny little holes are there, and I suspect it's those little gold bugs that... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, there. I remember you said I remember you had... were to... talking about those. They, they yeah. look like little pieces of jewelry, but they yeah. eat my plants. We yeah. do have Nancy in Morrisville. Oh, great, on the great.
2: Nancy, us. welcome aboard. Glad to hear you.
3: Hello, and thank you. Yeah. I've got probably three questions. Um... I think I heard on a show earlier this season about planting carrot seeds. Yeah. That they prefer to germinate in the dark, so you suggested covering them for approximately a week. Yep. Yep. Uh I have only ha- I didn't plant a lot. It's a short row. Sure. Um, and I'm thinking I'm going to plant another short row. Yep,
2: that's um, a good I idea. I didn't
3: get great germination, and mm-hmm. I don't know if it's my seeds, my soil. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Once I started seeing a couple of uh, carrot sprouts, mm-hmm. I did pull the cover,
2: mm-hmm. and I
3: think that was day five.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that sounds um, about right.
3: So... Should I? am I'm, I'm curious to try. I may plant the second planting mm-hmm. without using the cover.
2: Sure. And yeah.
3: See if my luck is any different.
2: So that's fine. And uh, uh, a couple of different things you can do. And uh, um, you can uh, you can. If you plant them without a cover, you have to make sure that you water them every day. That they, they, mm-hmm. they, you don't want that. Uh, they're such tiny seeds that when they absorb moisture, they don't have much to, uh, to live on. You know, they need a constant um, a source of moisture. And that's really one of the two reasons why it works well to cover them is that it does okay. keep the soil nice and moist. So if you're not going to cover them, then you got to make sure you're out there and you're watering every day. The other thing you can do is you can use um, uh, you can use radish seeds, uh, you know, every oh four or five inches or, or so, uh, just to see where where they are and and get a gauge on on your carrots coming and and encourage you a little bit that they are coming. But either way, you know that's. Um, that's that's just for the fun of it, really. But that's where uh, some places when you when you're working in a big old garden, you can't remember where your where your carrots are coming <laughs> up. The, the radishes are a little signpost for you. <laughs> yeah,
3: no, yeah, I, I I get that. Um, I use some of that thin plastic tape. It might be some writer's tape or something. Uh huh. Yeah. And just stretch that out. Next to where uh, yep. I am, there you planting.
2: go. Yeah, that's uh, that'll do it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, when I plant my carrots, I usually plant, plant a whole four foot by four foot bed because uh, that's uh, 256 carrots, and I'll I'll plant uh, <laughs> either either that or 16 squares, or I'll sometimes I'll just plant 12 squares and put a trellis on the back side. But when I when I plant that whole bed, I actually take a sheet of plywood. You know, I water it down really really well put the sheet of plywood and put a a cinder block right on top of it so it stays you know and again you know five days six days seven days I'll I'll take a peek and it's first time I see one little one little set of leaves you know and they'll be yellow still Um, I'll take that cover up but at that point even then I want to make sure that I keep a steady supply of moisture because uh, again they're such small such small seeds they don't absorb a lot of moisture
3: Good to know. Yeah, I've never uh, I've never planted carrot seeds before, so oh,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting a, experiment. It is. It is now. Yeah, I assume that you have good deep soil with compost in it and all that good stuff, right?
3: It's, it's beds. But yeah,
2: it's yeah. does kind of, <laughs> have great soil. <laughs> That's good. Now you uh, said you had a second question and a third. Yeah,
3: question. Um, wondering um, specifically tomatoes, but any yeah. other plant as well. Um, What's the thinking on taking off some of the blossoms early on, like right now, before they <laughs> set fruit, to make a
2: stronger plant? Hardest thing in the world to do. <laughs> really? That's my thinking on it. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, I hate to take those off. So let me, let me explain the difference between the blossoms uh, that you take off and the blossoms that you let go. If you're planting uh, a plant from sets— And there's already flowers on it. Then you want to take the flowers off, take quite a few of the leaves off, and leave it so there's only maybe three inches uh, above ground. And that's, uh, if you're planting a tomato plant and next week you get a flower, well, you leave it on. You just let it grow. But it's when you're planting the set that you want to take those those leaves off. I see. Okay, Okay. so there's a, yeah,
3: these guys are, Oh gosh! Between probably eight and twelve inches tall already,
2: and they're they're starting to blossom. Yes, good yeah. for you. No, no, leave those babies there. I, I definitely want them. Well,
3: yeah, these happen to be Sweet 100s, which I love, and I can't wait to, you know, they they don't even make it into the house, you know, (laughs) you you pick them, they don't even make it into the house.
2: I'm with you, Um, Nancy, I'm with you.
3: (laughs) Somebody told me there was a good fungicide, I think that's what it was, maybe against mold, Uh to just mix baking soda and water and put that in a spray bottle and use it as a preventive, yeah, before you actually see a problem because it changes the pH and the yep. bugs won't like it. Yep. You're from, or yep. the, the fungus,
2: yeah. The, uh, that's that's a, that's a home remedy that's used. Uh, uh, I assume the fungus you're concerned about is the late blight for the tomatoes. Is that the one you're thinking about?
3: Well, yeah, partly. Okay. Um,
2: well the also the the uh, uh powdery mildew um uh the that's a that comes up a little later on and that usually is a bigger problem with your squash plants and and you have it right that it changes the ph um there's a something called serenade that's uh, something you can buy at the store this basically um you know about the same as that uh but it's it's a little bit more like um Uh, compost tea. And you could use just Uh a compost tea for that too. If you sprayed it on all the leaves, that definitely changes the, you know, the pH of the, of the leaves. And, uh, just remember that one spraying is not enough, which you need to do anytime it rains, you're going to have to respray and let them let dry on the leaves. Um, you, for the most part, don't need to worry about that for probably another three or four weeks because. Uh, oh good. Um, but uh, in the meantime, of course, you can do a foliar spraying on your tomatoes with the uh, the, um, the the fish emulsion. And uh, that does a lot of good for the plants uh, feeding them, but it also helps to do that same thing, change the pH on them. So that's kind of a dual purpose thing. And that's, I think, the, the idea of the serenade was to, is, to, is to spray the leaves uh, and feed them and also change the pH on the, on the leaves. Okay. And um, so uh, let's see the other fungus. Oh, <clears throat> when you're working with your tomatoes, as as they as they set those first leaves right uh-huh. what you want to do is is actually cut off the leaves below that first set of leaves okay and then, as the next set of leaves come, cut off those leaves up to that first set. Huh. So you're you're constantly cutting off those leaves. And what you'll notice, and I, and I get this question quite a lot. This they say, oh my, you know my my leaves are turning yellow. Is there something wrong? Is it have a fungus? And in fact, the plant cuts off those leaves down below the flowers, uh, and they callus up, and the leaves uh, turn yellow, and they dry up and fall off and, uh-huh. and and that's a just a natural process in you know because it's really the top three or four leaves of the tomato plant that's feeding those uh, those fruits and so by you're actually cutting them off you're helping the plant put its energy into the fruits and oh. the fruit development and then this also makes for more airflow around your tomato plant and also makes it easier for the 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 bees and the wind to pollinate. Um, those flowers so you're you know there's a lot of good things that that you're doing at the same time that it looks like you're you're cutting off <laughs> uh, but i find that I, I have a whole handful of leaves to on on every set of trellis uh, every week almost it's wow. it's uh you know if you keep after them and they'll look like a, a great big old green stem but you'll you'll have the the best kind of um uh, uh fruit harvest by doing Super. that, yeah. Anything Great. else, Nancy? What's else going on?
3: Um, boy, uh, you know what? This has been very informative.
2: Oh, um, I will
3: make notes and probably call <laughs> you next week. Thank you so <laughs> well, much. I, for I look
2: forward that. to it, Nancy. You take care now. Thank you. Yeah, bye bye. And we have. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I can't read your note. Hey, so Is it
1: Bill? Wild, wild Bill. Oh,
2: yeah. Wild Bill. Hey. <laughs> well, welcome aboard, Bill. Howdy.
4: <laughs> What's up? Well, I called you about two, three weeks ago about my uh, uh, my greens there, my uh, 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 collard greens. Yeah, yeah. And I had to go to Connecticut for a couple of weeks, and I just got back, and the plants aren't even a foot high, and I think what they're doing is bolting.
2: Oh, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. And uh, did you buy them as sets, or did you plant them as seeds?
4: I bought them a set.
2: Yeah. That's not un- too unusual. I've had that happen with broccoli, too. Um, it, what happens is that they become root bound. And as soon as they become root bound, uh, they'll they'll start to bolt, and you got to watch that with uh, with everything really. Um, and my my kale um, actually is bolting, but that's because it was left over from from last year, and it's a biennial, so it'll it'll you know set seeds and bolt. Uh, but before it does that, I get a lot of good uh, a lot of good greens. Um, so I would suggest you replant those, and uh, you know this time of year you could plant them from seeds, uh, or if you can still find sets. But if you find sets, you know you could be in that same problem where they're root bound.
4: So you know, I, I did. Uh, I you know I, I broke open the root. Oh yeah, you know, the
2: same no, no. All. no, no, I you you planted them as good as you can possibly plant them. What I'm talking about there's a signal, okay, when when the a certain amount of roots get bound up in uh in the little planting pot, it sends a signal to the plant that you can't really change. You you can loosen up those roots all you want, but that signal's been sent and it's saying uh, hurry up and get that flower out of here, you know, because we're, we're all bound up. We need to set seed quick. And once that signal's set to that plant, it ain't going to change. You, and there's nothing you can do to change it. It's going to happen. And like I said, I've had it happen with every kind of broccoli plant and anything else that I've ever done. Uh, okay. Some of my spinach has uh, bolted up this uh, this week, but, you know, once that heat starts to come, that's what happens.
4: So um, e- even if I cut off the bolt, as it were, it's not going to do anything more for eh, it.
2: You can try it. I mean, what's the loss? You're not going to yeah. lose anything. Uh, but uh, um, yeah, I really and, was
4: counting on big collard leaves. So.
2: <laughs> I, I I do too. I just love those collards, and uh, I've got uh, some nice nice big uh, uh, Russian kale already, and the collard green. I'm actually going to plant uh, soon. I, I haven't planted the seeds, but because the collards, I don't actually want until October because we um, we don't really eat them so much during the summer as we we like to store. We you know we we blanch them and put them in the freezer, and there they are fantastic. And I don't know, my wife makes the best collard greens uh, in Vermont. Ha. Huh.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'd have to put my my recipe in there too. Okay,
2: all right. What's your recipe? <laughs> well, you, you
4: I just put a, <laughs> I put a bunch of collards in the in the slow cooker. I cut yeah. them up, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a good handful of peppercorns. Yeah. Oh, salt, Yeah, yeah. And uh, usually I'll use a uh, a chicken broth.
2: Oh yeah, sure.
4: Or sometimes, if you know some people are coming over, I'll just use that uh, that vegetable starter. Yeah. Oh, that's Sleep great stuff. Overnight. Oh man. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I usually put an onion in there, too.
2: Well, this this is sort of a, a southern uh, recipe that she got from her mom with, that includes, uh, of course, butter. Uh, oh, that's,
4: I, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I knew I forgot something. A pound of bacon. I cut
0: up the bacon. Oh, there
2: you go. Uh, there you go. Oh, boy, it sounds delicious, but uh, she, she'll use that... that uh, the butter and vinegar, and uh, she actually uses a wok, and she'll s- stir fry this all up in the wok with a, with that, and the. Um, I think she uses a little soy sauce, and then you know she. She uh, lets it cool off and puts them in a plastic bag and puts them in the freezer, and we'll eat those. One of the ways we eat them, actually, is we, we'll take our rice cooker, cook the rice, and we put the the frozen collard greens right on the very top. And then it, as it cooks down, all that, that butter and uh, good stuff drips down into the, the rice, and it's really, really delicious. Mm, that
4: sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, so I a, um I had a friend of mine in Florida had a barbecue stand and he could make some greens. I mean he'd he'd make mm-hmm. a mix of the collards, turnips and mustards.
2: Oh man.
4: And in that same way that I just told you how I make them and it was to die for. I oh. could eat that every day.
2: <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> uh, um now have you tried radish greens?
4: Uh no, but I do like beet greens and I miss them because I don't really have a garden per se anymore, yeah. but when yeah. Merrill Laguerre had his farm down the road here Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'd have them beet greens boy. Uh, hmm.
2: Absolutely. I can <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I've got a I've got two whole beds of beet greens uh, coming uh with uh, my uh, uh son's girlfriend. She's she came and helped me and we got a lot of beets and uh last week she thinned them out and and took them home to her chickens. So <laughs> the chickens were eating those beet greens. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, it's in it's time. I've got two more beds that it's time to thin out, but I, I'm hoping I can get to them before she does so we can eat them. <laughs> there
4: you go. All righty, we thank you. <laughs> All right,
2: Bill, good to talk to you. Thanks for Bye-bye. the call. Yeah, and plant those collard seeds now. You want to plant those solid collard greens now so you have them for later on. We got uh, Carol. Carol, how are you? In Montpelier. You?
5: Yes. A few minutes ago, you were talking about uh, spraying for asparagus beetles. Yep. And I wondered what you made the spray out of, or what you used for spray.
2: I use uh, Captain Jack's uh, dead bug, and basically, it's a it's just one of the trade names for spinosad, and that's S P I N O S A D, and that's a it's like uh, thurgeside or the. The uh, the bacillus, you know that that we use for uh, for our. Uh Uh, coal plants, for the cabbage plants. Okay. Uh, But it's a slightly different variety. It's a little bit newer, and uh, it's very effective. Uh, We've had good luck with the asparagus beetle. Um, We had an infestation probably about four or five years ago, and then we sprayed. And um, last year, I was not careful about cutting up all the dead stuff, and, and we got another infestation. But you know, it's it's pretty much part of life with uh, with cultivated asparagus. You're gonna you're gonna get them off and on season-wise. So you take that and just, of course, follow the directions. I think it's like four tablespoons for a gallon, but definitely mm-hmm. check the instructions. Uh, I'm gonna be doing that today uh, in a gallon sprayer. And that gallon sprayer does. Um, I've got uh, I've got two beds of, of uh, asparagus that are three feet wide and ten feet long, and then I've got two beds that are four by fours. And that'll be enough. That gallon will probably be enough uh, for for all of it. So just make sure you spray every every bit that you can get to. Okay. Um, and uh, when when you're done, when when the uh, when they start to feather, you know, when they start to get taller, go ahead and and use just a hand rake and rake around in the soil underneath, and then you can go ahead and, and put your fertilizer in. But the hand rake will help to to uh, kill or turn over the grubs and disrupt. The the cycle a little bit too. What what do the grubs look like? Uh well when they're up in the feathery part right they they look like little gummy little gummies they're just gooey little things uh-huh. and you can see them they're sort of like and my wife will go and pick them all out and and uh, it's a nasty job but um, you can also just spray them you don't have to pick them out.
5: Okay so but, I have another yeah uh, question in in our asparagus bed we have these uh like curly green worms do you know
2: yeah. what those are curly green worms <laughs>
5: yeah i mean they're worms but they're kind of curled yeah. up but yeah. they're very green
2: huh uh well they sound like uh, the 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 cabbage uh, caterpillar you know that's what they sound like uh-huh. it's not too soon for them to be out and that's will also work on them uh and uh i have you seen any white moths in your in your not yet. Uh, well, that usually comes along afterwards, but
5: uh, wa- I'll be on the watch out.
2: Yeah, for yeah. And so when you say curly green worms, are they like an inch long or 4 inches long? Or? Uh,
5: they're probably closer to an inch long. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. they're not as long as a, you know, a regular earthworm.
2: No, no, okay. Um, yeah. but uh are they on the plants or down in the soil?
5: They're down in the soil. Hmm.
0: Huh.
2: Uh, you got me. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of right off. But it's, it's uh it's an odd place for them to be. They usually, of course, are up on the plants and not so much down in the soil.
5: Right. These are definitely down in the soil.
2: So. Oh,
5: uh-huh. um, uh are, But I will keep an eye out for the moss.
2: Do Do they have a hard casing on them when you touch them? No. Okay. All right. No. Well, that that sure sounds like what they are. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, so uh, how much asparagus do you grow?
5: Um, you know, we have enough to have uh, all that we want and some to share uh, <laughs> for, uh, you know, until it's time for to let them let no, that's great. grow
2: up. <laughs> yeah. That's good.
5: Yeah, but it's, you know, we've had, we've lived here for 42 years and we've had the bed that long, so. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well, that's great. That yeah. just sounds so, wonderful. It's not a huge bed. Yeah. Well, uh, if you got all you want, that's all you need.
5: <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and we do have. Uh, we've noticed this year that we've got some areas where we need to put some new plants in. So.
2: Yeah. Well, I I actually one of my two beds there. It looks like there's only like three coming up, and and we're we're due. But the spot that I have, I probably w- picked the worst spot I could ever because it's right in right in this heavy heavy clay it's that uh, it's that gray clay that actually bounces when you stand on it yeah yeah so. that's under our soil <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we well, managed
5: to get above that yeah,
2: that's great well, yeah. well my wife avoided it she just went down the hill and that uh, and that's where our rhubarb is and uh, it is just some of the deepest soil you could ever ask and the and the, the asparagus are much happier there and the rhubarb oh good lord i mean honestly the the leaves are like two feet wide, two My feet goodness. wide. They're My huge, and the, and the stems on them, inch and a half, two inches is not exaggeration. Wow. They're absolutely beautiful, so we got lucky there. Very good. Thank you for your help. All right, Carol. Glad to any time. Thanks for the call. Hey, Joel, do you know what trees drink? Uh,
1: what trees drink? Um, hmm.
2: Root beer, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love root beer, by the way. Oh, my favorites too. You know, yeah, we got Pete and Barry. That's right. That's and I'll right. shut up. Them. Well, I'm about to say you
1: just curtailed my root beer stories, which is a very good thing. All right, we'll get back to it. Yeah, very good. Well, it was just a... a, a an elderly, when I was like eight years old, an elderly neighbor mm-hmm. of my grandmother made her own homemade root beer, mm-hmm. and it was real, and it was just I, I could I can taste it today after all these years. Mm-hmm. It was so yeah, good. That sounds uh, great. She also had a little still out in the back. So I, don't <laughs> yeah, know, I was I going to say I don't, know, I don't know if I remember if I was getting the high test root beer or not, but that's another story. Yeah, here's Pete. Here's hey Pete, hey, what, Pete can
2: what can we do, do for morning.
6: you? Yeah, good afternoon, Pete. Uh, I've got a question. You mentioned rhubarb just before the break. Yep. Yeah, And I've got a question regarding rhubarb. We also have uh tons of rhubarb for our own use and we share. Uh but at what point do you say, you know what, I really gotta I gotta stop taking taking the stocks because you you know, you wanna keep the plant.
2: Well um, that's a good question and, and uh well, I had decided that decide this week to I'm, gonna I'm gonna cut, gonna cut all, cut the, all biggest the biggest stocks, stocks out. out. I'm, gonna I'm gonna freeze them. them. And, then, and then uh, uh I'll, I'll be all done, be for, all the done for the season. And oh, really? Yeah, yeah. If you really are, yeah. uh, you know, you really yeah. got something yeah. you yeah. want yeah. to make, uh, um, you know, go ahead you know, and go take ahead some more. That you that really can't do can't much do harm, do harm, harm to, them. to them. They're pretty They're pretty, pretty, hardy. pretty
6: hardy. Well, I've noticed that some of the new stocks, uh, uh, as I as I go up and, and pull stocks for uh, neighbors that stop by for free rhubarb, Yep. Uh, I noticed that some of the new stocks are per- getting pretty thin mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering if uh, yep. if on those particular uh, plants that I should say well you know maybe I've got to I've got to leave them alone let them that, let them build up their energy again
2: yeah I think yeah. you I think you got to hold gotta on hold it on That's on. that's exactly what I the way I look at it I just look just at the look plants at the and plants when and they, when look, they look, look like they're like starting, they're starting
6: to... to yeah okay yeah and and like yourself some of the some of the stocks some of the stocks are inch and a quarter mm. or better that you know, across. Yep. Uh, they're, they're more like clubs than. <laughs> <laughs> I, and another question regarding rhubarb, yep. As far as as far as uh, uh, my wife doesn't peel them mm-hmm. when she cooks them. Yep. Yep. Uh, but uh, one person that came said, "Well, I'll, I'll be peeling these and that sort of thing." what uh what's your take on that The you peel or not
2: peel well the appealing thing to me about leaving the peels is the red color yeah uh, it makes it a little more pinkish when you leave the the skin on the red skin on right so i like the light. uh actually we should try, uh, talk, talk to the rhubarb aficionado
1: <laughs> I I never peel, but then again, whenever I make my rhubarb compote or compote, uh, I I always add some frozen strawberries from early from last season or this year's early strawberries, depending on you know on oh, I, timing. Yeah, yeah. But I would never no, I, never peel. And so anyway, the strawberries turn everything red. So, <laughs> yeah. but uh, I I, I, n- I never. I never. I, and
6: I'm. I'm I'm in that camp as well, but my my wife and this this woman who I was mm. giving the rhubarb to had this big discussion about peeling and mm-hmm. and and uh, and or not peeling, and mm. I didn't know, you know, which
2: one was one more was, appealing. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well,
6: <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, just just cooking them up with. Sugar. I don't, uh, you know, rhubarb pies, okay, mm-hmm. uh, rhubarb. She's made a rhubarb cake, a rhubarb. Uh, Bread.
1: You but can't my miss. favorite
6: is just rhubarb sauce. Mm. Yep, yep. Warming it and putting it on vanilla ice cream. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you I mean,
2: you have some not. fans here.
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I get my double chin. <laughs> on
2: it's all note? in the rhubarb, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you very much. Well, well, Pete, thanks for the call. And then we have Forbes. And we just
1: get uh, this button and then that button. and.
2: Hey, Forbes. Forbes.
7: Hi. How's it going? Fiber vascular bundles. <laughs> yeah, your that, rhubarb.
2: That's for sure. <laughs> that definitely get your fiber for the day. <laughs>
7: Figure that one out. I've got some old uh, strawberry, the old uh, original uh, dark, deep red uh, strawberry rhubarb.
2: Mm, uh, mm.
7: Seems to be different varieties. This came out of Canada, but... It's great, and uh, I was over in New Hampshire a few weeks ago, and a fellow was uh, actually brewing beer, and they had used uh, <laughs> rhubarb into the beer, and boy, was that good.
2: No kidding. Yeah. Well, many uses it's it. not It's not really uh, sweet. I mean, there's not a lot of sugar in it. Uh, no. It was no, just it for the just flavoring? It
7: was enough. Um, had it dehydrated so that it didn't have a lot of extra moisture in it, uh, but it just gave an, a pinch of uh, flavor yeah. to it, which was really good. Mm, mm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, something different. Well, i you never, it. You never know what,
1: uh, what could uh, make a good beer. You know, I, 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 I hate saying this with all the gr- b- wonderful Vermont brewers, but uh, uh, I think it's in Massachusetts. Is it Blue Moon? That's uh, the wheat beer. Mm. one of, yep, my, one of right. my favorites. So I don't care what they what, <laughs> what they do with what, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
7: a quick, quick. Not to be redundant, but a quick update on my my battle to save pollinators. And yes, the bumblebees. Yep. Um, what I found is that uh, the round bales, which are no longer uh, good for feedstock, you know, they're, they're old.
8: Yeah.
7: Those are tremendous because uh, what you do is put them at the edge of your fields or somewhere. And uh, your, your wife's uh, uh, love for vermin yeah. uh, actually <laughs> attack or goes into these round bales mm-hmm. and uh, makes nests in there. And, of course, the honeybees or the bumblebees yeah. love that, mm-hmm. and they go into these things to <laughs> <and> preserve themselves.
2: <laughs> and that's great. Uh, you know, yeah. what, what better? And I'm sure that would work just as well with uh, old bales of hay as well, right?
7: Yeah, yeah. But the round bales seem to be pretty big, so that oh. uh, they're able to, uh, winter-wise, uh, insulate themselves real well. Yeah. And as long as they can keep the queen yeah. uh, uh, remaining, then they're great. But they'll they actually go into where the mice go in, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what they use for their, their bedding area. <laughs>
2: I love yeah. it. I, I love yeah, it. The circle of life, right? <laughs>
7: yeah. Yeah, I'm going to keep them alive as long as I can. Yeah, well, I that's
2: that's great. I, I mean, right at this point, we have no, no lack of bumblebees in our garden. I mean, they are, as I said, I walked out the door the other day, and they were just hard hard on those uh, blueberry bushes. They were, it was so loud that I thought there was hummingbirds all over the place. But right. They,
7: and with, uh, as I say, the long tubular blossom in a blueberry, mm-hmm. there aren't many insects that can actually uh, uh, pollinate them well, or, uh, or create the pollen.
2: And those yeah. bumblebees were working real hard at it. That's for they sure. They can reach in. Yeah, you know? yeah, and, and the monarch. hummingbirds, too. They do tend to, but yeah. now with the uh, comfrey out there, they're up there working the comfrey pretty hard.
7: A lot of competition. <laughs> Okay, well, that's the latest I found, and that's what I've already ordered, uh, the two big round bales, and get right. them for almost nothing because they're not <laughs> good for uh, cattle feed. For,
2: yeah, and they're just in the way. Well, that, that sounds great, and thanks for the great. update. I appreciate it. <laughs>
1: okay, have fun. All right, you too. Okay, Bye. thank you for it. You know, the, uh, the round bales, when they have the uh, baler that also will stretch the white plastic over yep, them? yep, I used to tell my daughters when they were little that that was a marshmallow farm. <laughs> Giant marshmallow they farm. They grew marshmallows. That's how they grew marshmallows <laughs> and then chopped them up into little pieces. <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I, I have to say that it does sure look like that. <laughs> um so radishes uh I've got a bunch of radishes coming up and true to form probably one out of two or three only makes a a radish uh uh you know a nice sized radish mm-hmm. and uh, i uh, I guess I've just got to a place where I'm used to it now that uh if they if they're up about six eight inches and they haven't produced a a t- you know a nice radish uh yet. They probably won't, and uh, it's you can. The thinking that that I always had is well, if I let it go a little bit more, it'll it'll bulb out for, into a radish, and it doesn't, and it won't. Mm-hmm. So uh, um, if you don't see it by the time the little radish is about six inches, you're probably not going to get it. But that doesn't really end things uh the radish greens are actually uh uh, uh very uh, nutritious they're very high in calcium and they're good for you and one of the things I like to make with the radish greens and if I don't have radish greens, I'll use spinach but if you have a, a lots of those radish greens uh what I'll do is I take a a whole head of of uh, uh garlic you know probably um. You know, if they're big garlics, then it's four big cloves. Or if it's a, a different kind, uh, smaller, like uh, uh, the music, it's probably maybe ten or so cloves. And you chop those all up and sort of sauté them in a little olive oil or a little butter. And um, and then I'll add uh, some, uh, probably a can of the cannelli uh, cannellini beans, the the white. Uh, Italian beans, and stir-fry those in with the, the garlic and the olive oil, and then I'll add the radish greens washed and chopped a little bit on top of that, and then I'll put that on top of some egg noodles or some spaghetti oh. or something. Oh. Boy, that is delicious. Oh, it sounds it. it, sounds it. <laughs> Did you have some? Oh, you got uh, Wesley in St. Albans.
4: That's Peter. Good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. Hey, I've tried a couple of times, and I watch your opinion, yeah. trying to grow uh, sweet potatoes. I mean, to me <laughs> in Vermont, it's kind of a waste of time. You know, uh, for-
2: I, it is, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, the things that you can do, um, of course, is you know you start the slips like you would uh, tomatoes or something. Sure. Uh, yep. Make sure you put black plastic down on your garden bed. Make sure that okay. there's there's they're well dug and and lots of manure compost in there. And okay. then uh, put the uh, sets in uh, in that black uh, plastic or landscape cloth or whatever. Um, okay. They're 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 just they love the heat, you know. And they're right. a long season, and you you know you're gonna get tubers. Uh, uh, if you're over in the banana belt, well, you're in St. Albans, so you're in a warmer, <laughs> right, <laughs> warmer yeah. climate.
4: But It was real warm this morning.
2: You know? uh, yeah, yeah, right. I know, we had we barely made fifty two. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah, and a couple of days from now, it'd be like 85,
3: 90. Yeah, that's
2: right, right. Well, I don't know if you remember or listened to the show. I said a few weeks ago, we, I guarantee we're going to go from spring to summer, and you know.
4: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, without a doubt.
2: Yeah, well, we yeah. went from winter to the summer instead <laughs> from snow in May to 90 degrees and at the end right. of May so anyway. quick
4: question that I have for you is there like a special potato fork to dig them up I mean it's I don't know it's hard to get a fork that's just what you want you know
2: uh there no not particularly you just need to use okay. a regular old fork but uh, what you want to do is make sure you're out wide enough away from the plant so that you're digging uh, into it you know, right. you don't dig where the plant is. You dig her out, out away from it. Now, the thing with the sweet potatoes, you know, they tend to sort of have a broad spectrum. You know, they'll they grow okay. out. Um, have you ever grown uh, fingerling potatoes?
4: Uh, no, we did yeah. some uh, rustic and some
2: blue ones. Yeah, well, that's kind of like like the those had the same thing. They'll they'll grow out more. And uh, the fingerlings actually grow very deep, like ten inches deep. They actually grow down oh in the soil. Um, but with the with those, you want to start as far away as you can go and work your way into them, and just lift okay. the soil as you go along, just with a regular garden fork. You right. Know, there's, okay. There's no. The other thing you can do is uh, is take the take the stem and just sort of trace it back to where the potatoes are. And yeah, just yeah. with your hand, get your hands dirty and dig in.
4: Right, right. Because you always dig around and then you cut into one. Oh, you know, I know. I got to eat, eat that one right off. <laughs> and
8: then there's another one. No, I got to eat that one right
2: off. You know. So are you doing that on purpose? Or? No, no. As <laughs> I said,
4: I didn't know if there was a special fork where you just get underneath it a little bit and go over the times and, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh no no nothing special just the same way you would do regular old potatoes and just uh, dig carefully that's all. Okay. Uh, all right. you uh, very much. Great uh, show. Oh okay, thanks, Wesley. Uh, take care now. Uh, Good luck with your sweet
1: potatoes. We had a a uh, lady call who couldn't stay on the, mm-hmm. on the on the phone. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a garlic question. Yeah. And she says that, on uh, uh, some of her garlics she notices she you know th- that a white mole appears outside on the outside of the garlic clove not a four-legged mole but uh you know an, em- the regular mole that you might have like a wart or something and the leaves turn brown and eventually the clove the whole clove itself uh gets slimy and and dies yeah um but the first cosmetic sign is, is the the is white, white mole, mole Yeah.
2: mole yeah um there 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 is a mold a root mold um probably if she pulled it up, she'd see that 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 mold is all over the roots um it pretty much finishes off the garlic for the season you're you're pretty much done with it uh, and you you probably won't get anything out of it much either. so what you have to do is just um, you're gonna have to of course move where you are. I don't think that's the mite. There's a there's a, a little thrip that's that bothers onions and leeks and garlic. It doesn't sound like that. It just sounds like the the root mold. So um, you you of course you can try something like a neem oil on them to see if that if that helps. Uh, but probably if it's that well developed, it's it's pretty much gone by. So uh, if Uh, Obviously, you want to change the place where you're you're growing your garlic. Um, If you want to protect it a little bit, you should try to solarize that soil with a with a sheet of plastic so that you kind of uh, you burn off all that mold. Um, uh, Make sure you add plenty of compost in there, and then plant them again in the fall. And uh, it's kind of a death knell like like I said you could you could try the neem and see if it would help it but i i wouldn't I wouldn't hold a lot of uh, hope there um, and uh, I'm just trying to remember what they call that it's it is the root root mold root something um, hmm. yeah, I can't remember I just know that that it is uh, it's like a, I think they actually called it like end rot. I think that's what they they call it, is the garlic uh, uh, white rot or garlic end rot, and um, you know it's uh, the fungus is uh, it, it, you know is pretty much down on the root. So if you're seeing it up there, then then you're not you know they're they're pretty much gone. So if you can. Um, you know, move your stuff, try to make sure you solarize that, uh, make sure that you buy seed stock and don't just replant the same stock all the time. Um, those are all things that'll help because those are the kind of things that that are carried in on other on other uh, on your root stock. So I wish I had had a chance to ask her where she got her her
1: garlic from, but well, maybe we'll we'll hear. Um, again, maybe this is she. I don't oh. know, but anyway, yeah. we have another caller, so okay. I'll just, I'll just right. say uh, your first name in town, please.
8: Uh, this is Tim from Cambridge, New York.
2: Hey, Tim, how are you doing? <laughs>
8: good, good, good. On about those trellises.
2: Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I think I got your email. Did you send an email to me? Oh well, go ahead and
0: ask me. I
8: gotta go vertical. W- <laughs> uh, I get some. I uh, went by the uh, book. And I, I heard you're doing some of it. I was just hoping to hear the details.
2: And oh, okay. All right. Well, let me, uh, let me detail that. What I use is a half inch uh, uh, conduit pipe. You know, it's an electrical conduit. And I use the half inch. Um, there's a couple of different ways to do it. If you have a pipe bender, um, you can just take two of the 10 footers bend them so that they're they come out about 46 inches total when you use a coupling on them and then you you just use a spud bar and dig a hole about 18 inches deep and set them down in there pack the soil in and then I usually use like a the vinyl coated uh, fencing and you just uh, cut off 40 say 50 inches and then crimp it around the edges and I'll do two uh, two of those um, you know Uh, One at at four feet and the other one at four feet and that covers the whole thing, and that you know only costs you it's about it's under five bucks for each one of the uh, the um, uh, each one of the pipes are only about five bucks and the couple is about eighty cents and so for uh, you know for under for under fifteen bucks you can you can do a trellis and then uh, if you buy the 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 fencing in a, you know, a 50 foot roll, it's, it's really pretty cheap. And, uh, you do need a wire cutter to cut that stuff. But, um, you know, the ones that I've had, uh, matter of fact, the ones that I first made in 1981, I just, uh, stuck into the soil, um, last weekend. And so that makes them what, 1981, 20, 30, some years old. So, um, you know, the, Well, shoot, actually, it's going on more than 30 years old. Anyway, they last a good long time. Now, variation on the theme, right, is you can use uh, a 10-foot piece of pipe, cut it in half at 5 foot. Uh, You can put a piece of 4-foot or 2-foot rebar, you know, into the bed on either end. And uh, these are good for about four foot. You know, they they won't really be strong enough to to span over eight feet or not or so. But uh, I use them on a four foot on the back side of my four by four bed. So if you drive the um, uh, the rebar in the soil, and then you just slip that half inch pipe right over the rebar, and then what I do is I take uh, that the third piece of five foot pipe and I'll bend that so it just meets up with it. So that adds about another, Oh, six, eight inches to the height of it. Now, the thing about that I've ended up doing with that, and then of course you get a couple of couple of uh, couplings on there and, and do the, the bent top to the two five footers. If, um, when I grow my, uh, pole beans, they'll grow up eight feet and even some of my, um, uh, sugar snap peas they'll grow up eight feet so what i'll do is i actually add a two feet two feet uh, of of piping between the initial five foot and then the the um the the bent top so they'll go up almost eight feet by the time i'm to the top of those so that and and again that that lasts a, a really good long time and uh it does cost you a little bit more to um uh, to buy the rebar, but I get them at Allen Lumber or someplace like that, and uh, they they come in packages of four foot lengths of about maybe ten of them or so. Uh, the only thing you have to watch is when they cut them, one side gets gets bent a little bit. So you want that bent side down in the ground so that you can slip your pipe over the top of it. So those are those are a couple of different ways to do them, but um, uh, yeah, that 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 works really well.
8: Great, so I ended up buying the, the, the pipe and and getting some two foot rebar, thinking going by Mel's book. But then, your idea of going with a, a different uh, reducing the number of couplings. Now, when you said bending it forty six inches, I was picturing you know like you got the ten foot poles and then you're bending what two feet in on each side and then yep. one coupler between them yeah and yeah and
2: that's a and lot then cheaper. You're,
8: you're, uh, and then when you're uh, making the holes in the ground, you're not using the rebar at all. You're no, using a couple I in. use a spud okay. bar and I just,
2: conduit? yeah, yeah, I, I put the conduit. I'm
8: new to this garden. I'm sorry, I, I don't know what a spud bar is. I, I'm new, this is uh, my first year gardening. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, uh, it's just a bar. It's just a, you know, um, a big steel bar. And
8: oh, it, okay, I, it, I, I know what you mean. I, I, I would have called it something else, but that's all right. What
2: because would you have called it? Because I, 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 I've it's said like that. A,
8: like a pry bar? Like, a you know, pry bar, like yeah. A square with a, a angle on the end, and you just kind of pound it and make
2: a hole. That would work. This one here is about six foot tall, the one I use. this the, the And I don't know what they really call them, whether it's spud bars or what, but it sort of has one flange dead, and then it has one top knot that's, you know, about maybe three or four inches around, so you can use that end to tamp with. Um, All right. But... Any- yeah, my
8: wife thought she would be ridiculous to uh, plant something with, that will grow eight feet tall. And I said, well, <laughs> you know, I'll take care of the tall stuff.
2: <laughs> well, uh, you know, it's it, when you watch your, uh, your pole beans grow up over the top and then start to grow back down, then you realize you need it a little bit larger. And those pole beans, they just keep producing and producing until the frost. So I, I like to give them as much room as I can. Because, uh, you know, we, we like the, the beans that we get.
8: Great, great. My only problem now is I got another row from the, to add to that picture I sent you. And uh, it, just the wood, the backlog of the wood, the lumber company, they're just uh, they're slammed with all these uh, victory gardens. <laughs>
2: oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got a victory garden there, huh? Yeah.
8: <laughs> well. Well, I'm a retired gar- gardener now, uh, so I have time to attend to it and yeah. you know be nice to all my little babies. There.
2: That's the way to go, right there. <laughs> well, you know I've been gardening for a long time, and uh, if it wasn't for doing the beds, uh, I'd, I probably would never have had been had the time, you know, to do it. So this has really helped me a lot uh, using the beds and stuff. Okay, Tim, thank you for the call, thank and let you- me know how it goes.
8: Oh, we'll do. I'll send you another picture.
2: All right, great. Thanks. Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye-bye now. Uh, You got Nola from Ripton? Hey, Nola. Hey there. How are you? Oh, good, good. And And how about yourself? It's been a long time.
9: Try not to keep you too long. Um, The bad news is they're back.
2: You're talking about the grasshoppers, I assume. Yeah,
9: yeah. Yeah. I was working last week, and it was like a little tiny titter-patter of rain. (laughs) Oh, gosh. But it wasn't. And so thanks to my wonderful husband, I got numbers for five different companies Uh that I could call and get advice and possibly help. Company one, no. Company two, no. Company three, yes, hello, I'm the company entomologist. We talked for a while, and she said, we've got Just what you need. So she said, now we will get you over to our department for deliveries and orders. Yeah. She shifted me over and my heart was beating and I was thinking, yes, we can do it. Yeah.
3: Well, we don't
9: have any pints. (laughs) Quarts? Well, we don't have any quarts. Maybe a gallon. Well, we don't have any gallons, too. Sorry, we don't have anything. Goodbye. So... <laughs> <laughs> vanity, vanity, all is vanity. <laughs> we'll keep, we'll keep beating them back. One, what? one person that I spoke to from UVM, I believe, suggested that we pave around our greenhouse mm-hmm. yep. to keep. Yep. Sorry, not in the middle of the forest, I ain't paving yeah. around my greenhouse, that's just
2: not an option. Well, I, you know, it is an option, though, and it's, it's what I do around my garden bed, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, you know, I go out two feet and uh, I put down the landscape cloth and then we put bark down on top of that. And okay. that does help to, to keep the weeds and the bugs out of the garden, you know, it's, it gives you yep. a break. And whereas, you know, maybe paving would be out of the question, something like that might not. Might work. Yeah, well, and All right. it, it would make for a nice walk around, too.
9: Yeah, we could stop mowing. That would be okay. <laughs> we'll give, we're just trying everything this year. So just a tiny piece of the brighter side. Okay. Wonderful husband who yeah. is an engineer yep. and has a physics degree from Princeton built me the twin towers of Ripton tomato house. <laughs> <laughs> it has no walls. It has no roof. It's just a frame. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, uh, it's fantastic. It's housing eight to, 18 tomato plants. Oh man. And hopefully by the time hmm, 48 degrees today,
0: yeah. by the
9: time the weather does get cooler, we'll have some sort of walls and a frame, but it's, <laughs> Pretty neat building.
2: (laughs) That's great. What do you make it out of? How do you make it?
9: He, oh, come on, I can read. Strapping. 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 Oh, okay. It's all made out of strapping, and it's it's rather Susian because it is, and I love it. Um, but there's a way to get in and a way to get out. Super. Nicely, three across, six down. We'll see how they grow.
2: Nothing says true love like homegrown tomatoes. <laughs>
9: that's right. Only well, two things that money can't buy, that's true love and homegrown tomatoes. Sure, you know the song. It's a great song. Well, I'll give you a Robert Frost poem and all sure. that if you're here. Sure. If you guys want it.
2: Absolutely.
9: This one is rather appropriate for... Where we're at
2: well, let's let's hear it. Is that okay, Joel? Well, yes, Joel says okay? great. Yes.
9: Our hold on the planet. That's the name of the poem. We asked for rain. It didn't flash and roar. It didn't lose its temper at our demand and blow a gale. It didn't misunderstand and give us more than our spokesman bargained for. And just because we owned to a wish for rain, "'Send us a flood and bid us be damned and drown.' <laughs> "'It gently threw us a glittering shower down, "'and when we had taken that into the roots of grain, "'it threw us another, and then another still, "'till the spongy soil again was natal wet. "'We may doubt the just proportion of good to ill. "'There is much in nature against us, "'but we forget, take nature altogether since time began, "'including human nature and peace and war,' And it must be a little more in favor of man, say a fraction of 1% at the very least, or our number living wouldn't be steadily more, our hold on the planet wouldn't have so increased. (laughs) Thanks, Mr. Frost. I'm not sure if he'd write an update for that right now. But
2: it's hopeful. hopeful. uh, That sounds like perfect... uh... Uh, A perfect uh, treaty on human nature, for sure. It surely does. (laughs) So thanks for your time. Um,
9: Keep gardening. What a great hour of time on the radio. No (laughs) news about this virus. No news about Donald Trump. Just gardening.
2: And and a couple of corny jokes.
9: (laughs) Well, you're right about that. For sure. You better close the show with a couple more. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Yeah, well, there you go.
1: (laughs) It is a very fast hour, though.
2: Yeah, that's right. So uh, why didn't anyone laugh at the gardener's jokes? Um... Mm, because they were too corny. Yeah, Oh, Oh,
1: my word. I think think,
2: uh, Nola was right about that. Time to close. Well, once she said that, I had to to go there. (laughs) Well, everyone, have a good week in the garden. We'll see you next week, and thanks so much for your calls and listening in, and remember to thank our sponsors. All right, buddy. I guess we're done. Mm
0: Row by row, gonna make this garden grow. All it takes is a rake and a hoe and a piece of fertile ground. Inch by inch, row by row, someone bless these seeds I sow. Someone warm them In the Garden
1: has been brought to you by Menard's family-owned True Value Store, Brooklyn Street in Morrisville. By V's Flower and Garden Shop, Main Street, Waitsfield. By Broughton's Big Country Hardware, your authorized Cub Cadet dealer in Bridport. By Clausen's Forest and Greenhouse and Perennial Farm, with money-saving Big Mega Monday coupons right there on Main Street in Colchester. By your locally owned Montpelier Agway, East Montpelier Road. By Thomas Farm and Garden on the Barry Montpelier Road. By Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber in Middlesex, St. Albans, Enosburg, Swanton, and Derby. Sticksandstuff.com By Guy's Farm and Yard Stores in Morrisville, Montpelier, Williston, and St. Albans. By PR Lumber, family-owned lumber mill with all the lumber, mulch, and compost you need, Route 15 in Wolkin. By the Willie Store in Greensboro, celebrating 120 years of family ownership. Be sure to join us next Saturday at 1230 for once again in the garden with Peter Burke.
0: Takes his in the hole and a piece of fertile ground and inch by inch row by row someone bless these seeds I sow, someone warm.
1: WDEV FM and AM.